The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hi, I'm Andrew Hermes, and you're listening to The Secret of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. From movies to books to TV shows and more, we're looking at the deeper themes and meanings found in Star Wars. Today, we're looking toward the future, the future of Star Wars at least. We're going to discuss some of the upcoming series and possible films, but rather than predicting what will happen, we're going to try and pretend that we're Kathleen Kennedy and John Favreau <laughs> for uh, at least this next you know half hour or so, and then talk about what we'd like to see in these uh, upcoming shows uh, and Star Wars projects, and uh, yeah, take it from the perspective as if we were heading Lucasfilm, which would be, I guess, our dream jobs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I'll take that back, maybe. A little bit. Um, <laughs> Joining me today is the Bendu, Angela Cialana. Hi, Angela. Hi. Yes, I uh, one Halloween I did actually dress up as Kathleen Kennedy as my costume. <laughs> Went to a oh, costume awesome. party with a Star Wars shirt and a suit jacket over it, and I said I was Kathleen Kennedy. So <laughs> this yeah, is not you... my first time doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay. I mean, you could do the same thing if you just wore a Marvel t-shirt and a hat, and then you're Kevin Feige. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're this this episode, we're just going to basically have a wish list of, of what we want to see on these shows instead of trying to figure out what might happen or might not happen, what cameos will or will not, you know, happen. We're, we're just going to, if if we were writing the show, if we were had any say in what goes on in Star Wars, um, just what we'd like to see, what our dreams uh, would be. So since Andor is right around the corner, I think it's fitting to start with that series. So uh, Tony Gilroy, I mean, he said in interviews that there would be no fan service on this show. So we're going to do <laughs> the complete opposite here. We're going to be servicing as fans. So, um, yeah, since Andor is coming up, um, Angela, if you were the showrunner or a writer on this project, what would you like to see in, in Andor? Well, so originally I was planning to be on the Rogue One deep dive that the guys did um, a while back, and uh, I didn't get to get on that show um, for health reasons, so I did review Rogue One pretty recently, and um, I would, first of all, I think it's a must that we need to know how Saw Gerrera got to the paranoia state to that we know of um in rogue one you know lies deception you know that kind of thing um and just the intensity of the empire's oppression um 
that definitely has to be there. Like we saw this not just in Cassie Nandor's kind of demeanor, but also in the meeting at the towards the third act of, of Rogue One where they're listening to Jen Urso's proposal to fight against the Death Star and that's like absolutely unthinkable. And um, you know, they they were all rebels. They all obviously had been gathering this rebellion for a while now. So I think the intensity of the oppression kind of building up really needs to be there in, in Andor. And also one of the great lines in the trailer is about the Empire's pride. You know, like Cassian is heard in the trailer saying they're so proud of themselves, so fat and satisfied. And I really am interested in them exploring um, kind of the propaganda side of that and how that actually comes about in people because, um, you know, there are just regular people that join the empire. Like they sign up to, to work for the empire and it, I, I wonder how far that kind of goes. Like, is it just with the high leadership or, you know, is it also like stormtroopers or how, you know, the guy who's the janitor, you know, on the Death Star, like, <laughs> like how, how is it, you know? So, so I'm definitely curious about that. Um, and one of the one of the things that I'm really particularly interested in is a new character that we saw in the trailer, um, Luthen Rail, uh, who's played by Stellan Skarsgård. Um, supposedly, I guess he would be the guy who gathers the rebellion. That's what it seems like in the trailer, right? Um, and so, like, what is his motivation? What is his how does he have all this gusto and drive to gather together a rebellion against something as oppressive and massive as the empire? Um, and as I was kind of preparing for this show, I was looking up the actor in particular. It's interesting. Um, off screen, he's been very adamantly atheistic, um, atheist humanist. And he, he describes religious texts as, uh, violent, like he he condemns um, all religious texts that he's he's read as violent. So, um, I I just can't help but wonder like how he will tap into being a rebellion leader. Um, what he will bring like personally to that to that role. So as far as like you know, if I were Kathleen Kennedy or whatever, like I don't know if that would be part of my decision, but I. Just, you know, from what we've seen in the trailer and just knowing that about him, I find that really fascinating. Um, I think people who are humanists and people who are religious can kind of find some common ground, obviously. So, um, yeah, I, those are some of my initial thoughts. What about you? Yeah, those are that's really interesting. Um, I, 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 too, would you know, I, and I think the series is promising this. We're going to see you know, characters and a side of star Wars that has never really been focused on like the, the little guy. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, even within the, the rebellion and, and the, the resistance, um, uh, seeing how all, all that organizing happens on, on that sort of, uh, level. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm really pumped up, pumped for. And I think 
again, since that's something that the trailers and from all the interviews with the show's creators and, and the cast is, they're pretty much telling us that we're going to get that. But what I, what I want to see is I would love to see if we're going to talk about like crossovers with other Star Wars properties, like I want to bring it to solo, you know, solo is, is a, a Star Wars movie that, you know, is mixed at best, I guess, amongst the, the fan base. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and a character that I really enjoyed was uh, Enfys Nest. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to see uh, Enfys Nest and the, and the Cloud Riders uh, be incorporated into the show, I think. I mean, first of all, her armor is crazy. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's got a lot of cool Beskar going on. And um, uh, I, I, I think that, and you talked about Saw Gerrera. I think that's the perfect mm-hmm. sort of, a uh, way to he could be like the middleman you know and sort of the introduction of the cloud riders um and this character um so yeah I, I mean nothing more beyond that i would just love to see more about that character because there's very little that we we know about the cloud riders and Enfys nest mm-hmm. uh but just a lot of intriguing things that we got from solo um that i'm hoping to see more of and i think andor would be the perfect show for, for that to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, beyond that, I think, uh, I agree with you. I, I would love to see, uh, more of Saw Gerrera and I would love to see, um, you know, where, where, the, how the rebellion sort of like, like I mentioned, uh, from the beginning, how the rebellion, uh, works on a sort of ground level uh, perspective, you know, mm-hmm. every, everything from like what you say, like from the janitors to the, uh, you know, the, the men that have to leave a household, you know, and even the women too, that, that choose to fight, like, mm-hmm. how does that all work? Um, and to really get into the, the emotional sort of weight of that, yeah. Um, and not because, you know, in Star Wars and, and in a lot of sort of heroic tales and, and heroic journeys that are told on screen, you just it's easy to assume that everyone's just a, a soldier and they kind of have it in them already. Right. Uh, it, it'd be great to see like how that sacrifice um, someone choosing to literally ch- upend their life uh, to fight for a cause that they don't know what how the sort of outcome is going to to come out. I mean, you're these are underdogs. Um and that's something that's a real life uh situation in in large parts of the world um where there are suppressive governments and mm-hmm. there you know the the little guy the the person that's just at home trying to make a living is choosing whether they need to rise up and be part of a resistance. Mm-hmm. Um if they don't have you know, the luxury of, you know, voting at the ballot box to, to make a change. Sometimes they have to do something more drastic. So it would be cool to see that sort of played out in a Star Wars kind of world. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, also having fun. So cr- crossing over with characters like Infus Nest and whatever else they can come up with is, is fun. Part of the, the quote unquote fan service. But I think uh, from everything we're hearing about the show is stuff that I want to see. And it'll be really cool to 
I think the show could really stand alone um, if they really concentrate on that sort of aspect of resistance fighting. Um, if they get really personal and uh, can carry sort of that emotional weight along the series. Because, um, I mean, to this point, most of the Disney Plus series especially have just been fun um, with, you know, emotional... And the emotional moments usually come from, like, you know, for lack of a better term, again, fan service or uh, characters that we already care deeply about. Like, if you think about the the Anakin and Obi-Wan confrontation, you know, that's emotional because there's a lot of history behind it. But I think a series like this, where there's not a lot of characters that we have too much history with, I think you can bring that emotional impact on a, on a personal level. So that, that's, that's what I'm hoping to see on this series. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, another, like, I guess, couple of points that people are definitely looking forward to that we were sort of promised um, in the, in the last couple of years is the spy element, right? Because of like Cassian's just role in the rebellion. And to me, what I'm interested in, in that aspect is like the exploration of how someone's conscience changes over time when you're in these stressful situations and like life or death kind of situations. Um, because it obviously in Rogue One, we know that he wasn't phased when he had to just kill innocent people for the rebellion. And so, you know, even there's this line where he he tells like the rest of the rebels that that are there with them, like we've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion. So I'm really curious, like, how did he get to that point? Um, and I'm sure it started pretty young for him because I think he like started in the war when he was six, I want to say. Um, so that's going to be, I hope that they don't neglect that aspect of the character development. Like how does he end up this? Um, I hope that he fights with it for a while, you know, that it's not just, we just see him doing these things and we assume it's because he has to for his people or whatever. Um, but that he, kind of wrestles with uh, the choices that he has to make for, for the rebellion. Um, and then the other person who's kind of on that, that line would be Mon Mothma, right? Yeah. Like, like what is her backstory? What's her motivation for like risking her career, risking her life, you know, I assume. Um, and how does she actually manage to do that? You know, like how many people know what she's, what her motivations are, does she have any other people that are working with her to help her do what she's doing? Or is it very much a lonely individual mission for a while? So that also I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, I think this could be a really, really um, interesting series again, because it's, there are not too many like sort of big time characters on the show. Um, uh, and I think that it has an opportunity to to explore a, a side of Star Wars that that has never been explored before. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And and I think we're I think as far as our wishes so far, I think we might get a lot of what we're asking for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll 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 see. We don't have to wait too long. Um, but 
one we have to wait a little while for. Uh, I don't think there's an official date for for it yet, but um, Ahsoka is another long-awaited series that we'll be seeing sometime next year. And um, hey, this is a character we've known and loved for years, uh, mostly in animation, and we got to see for the first time in live action on Mandalorian and uh, Book of Boba Fett. So she's getting her own live action series, and and with a character that has so much history and and is deeply embedded in, in Star Wars canon. Um, what would you like to see uh, in Ahsoka well, as far as a sta- this standalone series? Well, I mean, I think we, it's pretty much established that we're going to see Sabine, right? Like, she was yeah. cast for the show. Um, so, obviously, she's going to be in it. Now, I would like to see uh, what we all hope for, I think, which is... Uh, her and Ahsoka searching for Ezra, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of like, where is Ezra? <laughs> um, but, you know, with that, if if we do see that, then, like, what is the relationship between Sabine and Ahsoka? Um, you know, do they have disagreements with each other? And, like, how do they approach conflict resolution and challenges that they encounter like, you know, I'm sure that there are some differences in their personalities and it'd be interesting to see like a more mature version of Sabine. Um, so we kind of in Rebels, we saw a version of Sabine that was sort of like, I don't know if she was supposed to be late teens, early 20s ish um, as far as her age, but she was definitely young and she definitely had a lot that she learned over Rebels, but we never really saw like a mature Sabine um, who was really rooted uh, actually living life and, and fighting and, you know, doing the things that we assume that she, she did in her life. So that would be really interesting. Um, also Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> yes. Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> like he was teased in season two of Mandalorian. Um in that episode with Ahsoka, the Jedi. Um, So there's like all kinds of possibilities there, but I would like to see more of his personality, like perhaps getting the audience a bit to empathize with him because in the novels that so many people love, I haven't read, but I know that he's kind of like, you know, the hero of those books because they're about him. And so people really love him and when we saw him in Rebels, he was the bad guy. And mm. it, it was kind of like, I don't know if people really got what they, what, what really satisfied their desire to, you know, see more of, of Grand Animal Thrawn. So um, I, it'd be really interesting to get a sense of what is he doing? What are his motivations? And then kind of getting that insight of, empathizing with him that kind of a villain um and also we know that he has an apprentice who was on in that episode the jedi so what is mm-hmm. what's up with that <laughs> what is he doing <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. i mean all the but i mean that's a great point you make about thrawn it, it it will make him a much more compelling villain if there's something we can empathize with or um relate to i mean i, I think thrawn is deserving of being uh, a Thanos level threat, 
you know, oh, yeah. in, in Star Wars or, or a Darth Vader t- level threat. Mm-hmm. And to take him seriously, I think he, he needs to have those characteristics. So I, I totally agree with you. And, and um, yeah, they've been really hush hush about anything Thrawn. Uh, I don't even think they've casted it yet or, or released casting. Um, but uh, yeah, there's very little that we know, but obviously that's high up on my list is, is what's Thrawn up to. And, and like you mentioned, what's, <laughs> where is Ezra? <laughs> and all of this. Uh, um, yeah, it'd be cool to see like how, you know, if it's Ahsoka and Sabine teaming up to whatever nether regions they need to go to, to find mm-hmm. Ezra, it'd be cool to see, you know, that sort of thing, uh, that sort of journey, um, uh, be, instead of, instead of like, oh, well, here's Ezra and here's some exposition to explain where, or, you know, it would be cool to see like it play out, um, uh, because it's sort of been a long awaited thing from, from, from the, from the animated series, uh, that we've been waiting for. So, uh, I, I hope, it, I hope it plays out in a meaningful way. Um, and that there's a reason uh, obviously there's some sort of reason for w- how Thrawn and why Thrawn is doing whatever he's doing, how he's back. And, you know, if, if he's back, does that mean Ezra's already back or is he stuck somewhere? So yeah, all these intriguing questions. Yeah. yeah. And just like, well, another thing about this series that I'm really curious about is that um, when we see Ahsoka develop over all these other series and things, um, We've, I, I kind of feel like her character has developed in such a way that it seems like she's very much had her inner conflicts pretty much solved at this point. I mean, oh. you know, like her thing with I might, dis- I might disagree and... with that. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I just wonder, like, what, what's going to happen with her character development? Like, because, I mean, especially when we see her in Mandalorian, she seems... To me, she seems pretty at peace now, particularly with the whole Rebels, like, very last episode, her coming to get um, Sabine. Dude, she looks, like, super, like, Gandalf-style majestic, she does. you know? Yeah, like absolutely. And in some of the kind of more spiritual, um, like, parts of these different series that we've had, I just feel like she's... She's matured a lot and she's learned a lot about herself and other people. And so I don't know. I'm kind of curious how you like what other conflicts do you think she would have still? Right. Yeah, I think I I, I don't disagree with anything that you you said. All all those Mm -hmm. points uh, I agree with. I think I think the main conflict is 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 the one that she's sort of always lived with uh, since being a Jedi is, is where is her sort of, you know, moral stance on, Mm -hmm. you know, the, as far as like Jedi versus, you know, non-Jedi. Yeah. Obviously she's not, she's not like close to the, I don't think she's tempted by the dark side much, Mm -hmm. but you know, if at all, but you know, like we see stuff like in, in like Mandalorian and Boba Fett where she has like this sort of like, easy going relationship with uh with luke on one Mm -hmm. hand because like it's it's like 
she's the first he's the first person that you know she tells mando to go to to figure out what's what's going on with grogu you know she has almost no hesitation um but at the same time you know she's there there is an aspect of 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 that where she's still far she keeps her distance you know like Mm -hmm. she like when luke asks her will i see you again you know she says like maybe or something you know Mm -hmm. something along those lines i forget Mm -hmm. what the exact line was um so i think i don't know if it's a conflict i don't know if that's the best word for it but Mm -hmm. they, they do have to explore still her sort of how does she uh interact with you know jedi and the force and and what's her sort of uh yeah deal with that because it's sort of ever evolving i mean I, mm-hmm. I think she she is confident in herself and and she carries herself in that way um but like will she be faced with a situation where that that's that that maybe she has a question mm-hmm. like oh is the I don't think she'll ever become a full-blown Jedi or mm. consider it, but you know, I think, I think there's still stuff there to play with. Um, uh, and yeah, as far as like the Anakin stuff, like, I think, yeah, I think she's at a point where she's moved past it. I think she understands, um, you know, whatever she needed to do that we didn't get to see, <laughs> you know, on screen. <laughs> uh, but we got to, see, but we get, at least got to see her, you know, talk to Luke, uh, you know, about Anakin in a way that was like she could acknowledge, you know, the good in Anakin, um, but, but also never forgetting that, you know, he became Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she and she knows that he ultimately had a redemption moment uh, at his death. But uh, as far as like things we want to see, uh, definitely want to see Force Ghost Anakin. Uh, oh yeah, I think, I think there was rumored that he he was already seen like, or he he's going to make some kind of an appearance in the in the series. Yeah, I think it's all but confirmed that he's going to be in the series. Mm. Uh, so whether it's flashbacks or Force Ghost, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I all I do know is that I want to see Force Ghost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> flashbacks that would are make cool, but I would, love, yeah, I would love to see Force Ghost, the uh, Anakin. Yeah, and, and like you said, makes perfect sense. We're probably going to get it. But um, that's something I want to add. Make sure is on the list <laughs> of things we we want to yeah. see. Um, and I would love to see just like cool lightsaber fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think we get enough of that. <laughs> we get little tastes of it here and there. You know, like even in the Obi Wan series, I, I feel like could have used more. Um, but her fights in the Mandalorian were amazing with those two white sabers in the dark. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think uh, I think we're gonna get a lot of that, obviously, because she is uh, just so amazing with her two lightsabers. <laughs> but that's just something I want to see more of, uh, and uh, like cool, you know, sweeping space battles are great. Uh, big ships and laser beams are cool but there's something about just a one-on-one lightsaber fight that um Mm -hmm. doesn't get much better than that so that's that's really what i'm looking forward to yeah absolutely okay and um i mean there's many other projects coming up uh and obviously there's one that kind of sort of started started it all for at least at least the disney plus series and kind of added more 
kind of reinvigorated the Star Wars franchise, and and that's the Mandalorian. And season three is is coming up early um, next year, I think fe- February twenty twenty three. And uh, last we saw Mando and Grogu, they were taking off in uh, Din's new starfighter uh, and. T- <laughs> Uh, ready for some new adventures, and and we know some of those adventures take place on Mandalore. Yeah, because uh, at D twenty three there was a, a trailer, um, and there were a, there were a lot of mentions of Mandalore, and even some uh, some sneak peeks uh, of of Mandalore, um, and it's very heavily heavily implied. Well, not even implied. I mean, they're 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 literally telling us that there's going to be a clash or two with Bo Katan. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, about who should rule Mandalore. So um, we do have that sort of inf- much of information as to what season three is going to be about. But um, again, if if you have any wishes or if you were right on the show, what would you like to see in Mando season three? Well, I do want some fan service because this show yes. is kind of established <laughs> as like the fan service show. <laughs> no shame about it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but we love it anyway. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that they can, because, okay. So like John Favreau is the Mandalorian like nerd, right? Like he, I mean, he's just talked in every interview about how much he loves the Mandalorians and, how excited he was to play Paz Vizla and in Clone Wars and everything. And, um, and then in, uh, or Tar Vizla, wait, no, not Tar. What was his name? The Vizla that he played? Yeah, in, I mean, in Clone Wars? I would have believed either one. So, I, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> Paz Vizla in yeah. The Mandalorian, I think, was the live action character. But for some reason, I can't right. think of the, anyway. But the point being that he he loves Mandalorians and Mandalorian culture, so I'm really, really hoping that we get even more of the cultural side of things and more clans. Um, like, yes. what are the other clans like? How do they operate? What's their philosophy? Um, and then also, like, with Mando himself, we kind of get the sense that he's going to be on this redemption mission to like redeem himself for his sins, like with the, with his particular clan um, of taking off his helmet. So there, there's another opportunity there to kind of explore conscience and uh, you know, how you're, how you form your belief system, because we have seen that he, he did that for a reason. Like he removed his helmet for a reason. And I don't think he would take that back. Um, But at the same time, he still wants to be, I think, you know, he went back to his clan. So he does seem to want to be with them, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, really fascinated by that whole dynamic. Um, And just all of the Mandalorian things Especially, you know, with fan service, can we get a crossover of Sabine Wren showing up with her clan as well? Because that would be fantastic. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and with, with a perfect, I think, opportunity for that sort of crossover is like Sabine showing up and and they're 
there being conflict between clans and then obviously after the conflict after some fighting they make up blah blah and maybe Sabine's like hey can you help me and Ahsoka find Ezra you know and so they're mm. crossing over to the Ahsoka series so I'm sure there's going to be crossover stuff happening with all the series because it's they've done a lot of that so far and um, I think that would be a cool thing uh, to see Mando sort of involved in in that uh and also just how cool would it be to see Sabine like with the Darksaber in live action because there was a whole arc, you know, of right. her with the Darksaber. Um, just she has so much backstory with it and like such a personal connection to it that it would be totally, totally cool to to see her involved in that whole like live action arc. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. And and yeah, obviously Bo Katan you know, she's her being a, a sort of mixed f- figure in Mandalore, you know, especially with the Death Watch. Uh, it's I just want to again, we're, we're getting this, but, you know, it's like Star Wars knows what we want. But you know, <laughs> really getting into th- that sort of uh, conflict with her and, and, you know, not not just her and her whatever. I don't think she has a beef with Mando. Not yet. But, you know, she definitely wants to rule Mandalore. And, and and at some point, you know, Din was literally willing to just give her <laughs> the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously his feelings have changed, uh, as we saw in, in Boba Fett. He, he, he kind of has more, has grown more of an attachment to it and is uh, at least willing to consider the prospect of, of uh, I don't know about ruling Mandalore. I mean, I think he'll get there at some point. Because uh, obviously he doesn't feel worthy yet. He, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, he's he's sort of on this redemption mission, um, and they touch upon that on in the trailer as well. Um, but it's going to be interesting interesting to see like how that all plays out. Like what sort of how many people are going to be gunning for it, and 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 who like who ultimately is going to be in that sort of like is there going to be a battle for it? Is it is there going to be like uh some new uh, rules put in place. Like again, this sort of idea of tradition, like Mandalore has been, you know, destroyed for some time now. Like what, like are, are like are all the clans just going to be gung ho about doing things the, the same way? Like, I don't think so. And mm-hmm. I, I, what I really want to see is like a lot of along the lines of what you talked about is like this, this sort of like, okay, how do we govern? ourselves mm-hmm. like how, is mandalore like should we find a new uh like is mandalore even worth saving like is it is it like it's it has to be like is mandalore at a point to where it's uninhabitable like do they need to find a new place mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of questions that need to be answered and and i hope that uh you know amongst all the fan service that i'm sure we're gonna get um <laughs> there's a great yeah there's a great story to tell here and uh um, getting to see just a bunch of Mandalorians uh, in their armor going at it is going to be fun to watch. Um, so I hope we get lots of that. Um, you know, it, on that point, um, I think that just feels really like the way you describe that just feels really relevant to um, probably everywhere. But, you know, since we're here right. in the U.S., like it just feels very relevant of this concept of like, how do we reconcile our differences? Um, How do we govern ourselves? And with groups that have 
these seemingly opposing, you know, viewpoints um, that are very strongly held and also have a lot of really personal implications um, and even religious, you know, on the part of like Mando's clan in particular. Um, so I, I really hope that they don't treat that in a trite way. I hope that they treat it in a way to where I mean, I would even be happy if that continued into like another season because it's not something that you can really just have a couple of episodes exploring and then, okay, we all agree and let's move on. Like that's not actually realistic. Um, So I would love for them to, yeah, if they do get into those weeds um, or just exploring that theme, that they, yeah, they take their time with that. Um, so that, that definitely did intrigue me as you were speaking. Um, and then the other thing that that came to mind is the cloning scientists, like aspect of the show that has sort of been on the margins for a while. Mm -hmm. And I really am curious if they're going to try to weave that back in um, to all of this Mandalore stuff. Um, if we're going to see more of Dr. Pershing and what is, what are his motivations? What is he doing? Um, and just the big picture. So that's also very intriguing. And I almost totally forgot about that, but it just came to mind as we were talking. No, good. Cause I totally forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's definitely something I want to see too, because yeah, what, what were they planning? I mean, what, what it was the end goal? Is it something that they're still striving towards? And, and um, yeah, there has to be something there. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably a lot for one season, like you said. So it would be, I think, totally fine to spread these uh, storylines across, you know, two or three seasons. Because this show is not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um so yeah, oh my gosh, and Grogu. I just want to hear like Grogu, uh, you know, learn to speak. learn how to say something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, uh, instead of making noises. Yeah, yeah the noises At are more point. Right. That, <laughs> does that happen? For his yeah, species? I know. Yeah, I know his species exactly. His species evolution is a little slower. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, seeing some progress there <laughs> would be awesome. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, we could go on and on. There's many, many projects that are coming and, you know, projects that are up in the air that are kind of confirmed or whatever. I mean, as we know, in, in this landscape, you know, things could change uh, right. in a, overnight. But, I mean, we do know, at least for sure, we're getting Bad Batch Season 2. Uh, that's coming uh, soon after Andor. And we are getting uh, an, another animated series called Tales of the Jedi where we'll focus on Count Dooku and a very young Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um, and Liam Neeson's confirmed to uh, voice Qui-Gon Jinn. So that'll be fun. Um, Visions is it confirms is... that his son is playing like the young version of him. I think I heard that. Oh, I didn't hear that. If that if that's the case, then that's cool. Um, but no, I don't know. Maybe you, you might be right. Um, we got Vision Season 2 confirmed. Um We've got, uh, as far as more live-action series, we have Skeleton Crew, which is the Amblin-style series that will center on a group of 
10-year-old kids lost in the universe who are looking for a way back home, starring Jude Law. Um, there's this mysterious Acolyte series that we know almost nothing about. Um, <laughs> there's a Lando series that's supposed to come out at some point, I guess. Um, there's that Patty Jenkins-directed <laughs> Rogue Squadron movie uh, that's still happening, I guess. Uh, they won't say that it's <laughs> dead of the water, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, at the very least, it's not going to make it. I think it was slated to come out Christmas 2023. There's no way that's happening. Um, there's this Taika Watiti movie that's happening, and and you know, Taika said in interviews about it that it's going to be fresh, exciting, unique, and explore a side of Star Wars, the Star Wars universe that we've never seen before, and. It's going to be totally unconnected to any other anything uh, Skywalker or anything we've seen in Star Wars so far. Um, so, I mean, that's interesting to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, I mean, with all these, there's probably more that I'm missing, but with all these that I've mentioned that are coming down the the pipeline, is there anything else that you're hoping for in, in any of these series that that you wish to see? Well, uh, as you far know... as uh, yeah, I think the creature side of Star Wars, uh, I hope they don't neglect it. Um, I would I would guess out of all of those that Taika Waititi's project might be more like creature based, possibly. Um, That's a good bet. I don't, like the way that things are these days with budget <laughs> and them also wanting to use live action a lot. Um Instead, like practical effects over, um, you know, CG. I don't know how practical it would be for them to do like a whole, like all creatures or mostly creature type series. Um, but it would, I mean, who knows with him, right? Like, uh, it, it would be really interesting to see that. Um, but I think, you know, with the series that we know about that we just talked about, there's definitely going to be that central theme of star Wars of relationships with parental figures or family or role models or whatever it is. Um, that is definitely covered. So I think we're good there. And, you know, as far as the other shows that you mentioned in movies, like that's probably going to be in them somewhere because it just seems like it's in the fabric of Star Wars. Um, but one of the things that, you know, going back to my revisit of Rogue One, and I think pretty much every Star Wars fan like really enjoyed that movie um, as far as like the new Disney movies uh, from Star Wars. I think one of the aspects that helped to make that movie successful in the minds of fans, whether or not they were conscious of it was the spiritual aspect Um, because we didn't have Jedi in it, but we did have, you know, the conversion of Baze Malbus, like at the end of that movie, you know, and cheer at Emway and what they brought to still keeping the force, like as part of the story and a very real, like active part of the story still, even if it wasn't like, you know, oogie boogie, you know, religious stuff. But the fact that we're getting these series that are more, um, 
you know, more live action without Jedi, um, you know, the acolyte who knows that that will probably hopefully have a lot of spiritual themes, but just in general, I hope that they don't stay away from the force that they find some way to incorporate it and not just like shoehorn it in because, Oh yeah, we're doing star Wars. We need somebody to say, may the force be with you, but to really give some thought to the spiritual side of just people, you know, because that's, that's what makes people people, you know, ultimately. (laughs) So, yeah. No, that's, that's all great stuff. And, and as far as, uh, Taika Waititi's film, like, uh, I wrote, <clears throat> I don't know if I wrote it down or I was, when I was thinking about this, I was like, there needs to be like a Star Wars equivalent to Korg. <laughs> uh, Because, <laughs> yeah, Ty, yeah, like you said, like, as far as bringing more creatures into Star Wars mm-hmm. or exploring more of the creature side, um, Taika was very good at doing that in his films. He makes us, you know, feel for you know, a guy made out of rocks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I think, um, I, I definitely drive with that. And I, and I like, as far as that film, again, I, I, just the whole idea of doing something that's not connected to anything else, um, is really intriguing. And I hope that they stick to that. And, and yeah, there's not like some post credit scene where it's like, Oh, <laughs> you're like with like Grogu or something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, appearing, uh, like just cause you know, star Wars is so has, has always had the potential to be so much bigger than it is. And, True. and you know, we, we always talk about this. It comes up a lot. Like it's just so Skywalker centric or it's, you know, uh, it always has to come back, you know, to, uh, to, to the Skywalkers, to the original uh, saga um, or the prequels. I mean, which is fine for, you know, again, it's that idea of fan service, but uh, I think you can have both. And and uh, I, I hope, like, these, as far as, like, the future in general for Star Wars, that they're not afraid to go in that direction and, and uh, see where it goes. Because uh, for the skeleton crew, like, like as being described, literally, like it's quoted being described as a as a, what did I say, the an Amblin Amblin style series, you know, with uh, about a group of ten year old kids. So it's a classic coming of age story. Mm-hmm. That's something I I would love to see more of in Star Wars, um, because at the end of the day, Star Wars is 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 for kids. Um, that's what it was originally intended for. Who was who it was originally intended for. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I think we uh, adults like we can have like the more mature content as well as th- that. I'm sure we're going to see an Andor that de- definitely doesn't seem like a kids show. Um, yeah. So I think you can have that with like big themes and and a lot of emotional uh, elements to it um, that explore the dark gritty sides of uh, of Star Wars. Um, but at the same time, if they can go back and re and and sort of recapture some of that the the elements of the original trilogy and 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 even the prequels to to someone like me as a kid the prequels were sort of the first cinematic experience of Star Wars that I had to record sort of recapture that for this new generation I know that's what they were aiming for with the sequel trilogy you know I think uh, Force Awakens was was a good start but it didn't have a great finish so I think if they they don't abandon that um, and they keep trying to 
connect with the younger audience uh, beyond like the animated stuff. That's 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 easy to to sort of throw out there. Um, to see and it also good. Beyond, oh, yeah, yeah, like well, to connect with the younger audience, like beyond the again, like trying to throw in themes that supposedly young people are interested in. <laughs> Or like you know, right? Yeah, just warning it. Yeah, yeah. Like, how about we just focus on the hero's journey and the story and the characters? Because you know, I I yeah. like to watch reaction videos and I watch people reacting to like watching Star Wars for the first time, who are young, like in their twenties, and they always are so surprised by how deeply they enjoy watching the original trilogy that was made in the 1970s. Like they always say like, I expected this to be cheesy. I expected this to not meet up to my expectations or for me to get bored in the middle of it. And they always end up being like, wow, I was so enthralled by it. And it's because of the characters and the story and like it's it's timeless so i really hope that yes like it's it's good to use star wars as you know a canvas to explore so many things but please like do that in like the comics or like you <laughs> right. know other things that kind of you know allow for more of that kind of exploration but when it comes to like these series that are essentially like what we're getting as our star wars <laughs> now yeah. like it's gonna live on for people if they take the time to try to make it timeless you know right because you're, you're not going to captivate a, a modern day audience with special effects anymore i mean we're mm-hmm. so used to everything looking hyper realistic and you know it's not like back in the when the original trilogy came out you know in 77 where people were both blown away by the effects at the time and also by the story and, and the, the, this, the story, the hero's journey, timeless sort of story is what, like you mentioned, has lived on and is still captivating. Um, because no one like 50 years from now is going to watch Mandalorian and be like, wow, these effects are crazy. <laughs> like Grogu looks so real, <laughs> you know, like, uh, no, they're going to, they're going to still watch it 50 years from now because, uh, of how captivating uh, the the characters are and the the stories and the the um you know the feelings that that it gave us now uh, is going to give people in the future the same feelings and it's going to bring those feelings back up again for us who are still alive. So it's uh, again I I I hope Star Wars doesn't lose sight of that and and uh, I hope that I. I know they're taking their sweet time with uh, the theatrical releases. Um, and I'm hoping and assuming that's because they're trying to capture that again. They're, they're trying not to make, you know, the, if you want to call them mistakes, I would call them mistakes, but the mistakes of the sequel trilogy. Um, yeah, we don't need a Star Wars version of Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh so, yeah, and it's harder. It's harder and harder to to come up with that because you know back back in the day, there there were only so many theatrical releases, and there were only so many big budget movies. Now it's like every week there there's something 
there's some $200 million movie coming out and the most of them are forgettable. Um, I mean, there's $200 million movies that come out on Netflix <laughs> that don't even make it to the, to the yeah. theaters. And, and it doesn't connect with audiences because again, it's, it's a lot of these stories are, I mean, not stories. They're, they're just, they, they just package them as marketing material. It's like, well, let's attach this A-list star with this A-list star with this A-list director with this much money right. and let's just go for it. You know, if, if they can, uh, go back to that again, uh, Amblin style, uh, sort of, uh, screenwriting and, uh, storytelling. Um, I think they can have something special on their hands, uh, because to be, to stand out theatrically now, it, it takes much more, you know, than it used to, you know, sure. uh, to have, I mean, if you think of like, the, like what Marvel did with, like Infinity War and Endgame, like to get that sort of cultural impact, like there were 20 some odd movies that led up to it, you know, and, and it was a, a big sweeping story mm-hmm. uh, that, that took a lot of time to, uh, to sort of plan out. And that plan was, you know, for, for the most part, you know, Feige knew the, like how, where it began, where it was going to end. Yeah. Uh, and and I think Star Wars, if they had that, so I mean, not say, I'm not saying like, oh, look, Star Wars needs to be like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but if they just take that sort of uh, care with mm-hmm. their theatrical releases, like plan it out, get the right people that have the right that agree on the vision, and you're not hiring and firing directors left and right, um, then I think you know Star Wars obviously has the potential to. Uh, you know, even when they make a bad movie, they make a billion dollars. So it's, <laughs> but, but it's again, it's that legacy. Like, are people going to care about this film 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now? Yeah. Um, and I think Star Wars is still capable of that. Um, you can do it, Lucasfilm. <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you. <laughs> um, I think the only other thing I had was, uh, for Visions season two, I hope. I mean, Ninth Jedi was my favorite episode. Mm, yeah, I think, same. I think it was most people's favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope they do like a continuation of that story. Um, I know yeah. it's an anthology series, but it would be cool if they if they chose one to sort of continue. I think that would be the one. But yeah, uh, I mean, before we wrap up, are there? Did you have any final thoughts or or any other ideas for the future of Star Wars? Um, I guess just my last thought besides everything we've talked about is um, that I'm excited to have new Star Wars music and I hope that um, oh, yeah. the the new soundtracks and scores and things um, will kind of, uh, I mean, I know everything is traditionally like an orchestral type score, um, but I'm curious if they're going to try to branch out from that a little bit more um like the mandalorian is a really cool mix of score with um kind of just different ethnic sounding instruments like cultural sounding instruments um so ludwig is the man yeah yeah, i mean i think it it, it's going to be neat to have more composers come in and and score all these projects um, and, and try to make it sound like Star Wars. And yeah, I'm just, I'm hopeful 
and I'm excited for that um, as well. So definitely new music um, is always a fun thing for, for Star Wars fans. Yeah, I mean, John Williams, I think, did he retire yet? I think he officially, did he officially yeah, retire? Yeah. yeah. Officially, officially. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Like, <laughs> for the like, second or third time. They were like, we got him back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, Ludwig uh, did such a great job with Mandalorian and uh, and Boba Fett. Um, but those, like you mentioned, ethnic uh, instruments and sounds and uh if he's like the new John Williams of Star Wars, I wouldn't be mad because, uh, yeah, he did. I mean, he did the Black Panther soundtrack, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's just really good at what he does. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, if Star Wars is going to have all these different uh, properties that are not necessarily connected to each other and are not Skywalker, you know, centric, then they can really explore you yeah. know, musically and, and just go out there uh and uh, and with having more diverse casts and characters there's uh, yeah there there i'm really looking forward to uh um what star wars can possibly do in, in that realm that's a that's a good that's a good point that you brought up i didn't think about the music um there you have it um you know, before we uh, let you guys go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Star Wars, including Kimberly S., Mark M., Thomas H., Nathan A., and Tom G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com give. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Star Wars and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash starwars. You can email us at starwars at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. Or you can join our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. We'll be back next week with another special episode hosted by our very own Angela Cialana. So until then, Angela, yeah, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It was fun. It was uh, cool to be Captain Kennedy again for a few minutes. And um, yeah, enjoyed our conversation. Thanks. And once again, I'm John Favreau. No, I'm Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Quest.